Hello and welcome to NDA, the show where I, Dave Wiskus, argue with people who are creators or whatever about uh, creator or whatever things. I am joined today by my friend. This is not the first time we've attempted this. We've attempted this many times, but today we're going to finish what we started. We're going to actually release this damn thing. Uh, Peter from Foreign Man in a Foreign Land. Uh, Peter, thank you for uh, doing this multiple times now. Oh, yeah. It's my pleasure to argue with you persnickety. And this is absolutely a, a tribute. We, it was a tribute to probably the best podcast ever um, in history, <laughs> as we all know. It's like we, Tenacious D. We have the audio from that show. But OK, so what what had happened was we were in the Bahamas together in one room and we had cameras set up and the whole thing. But uh, Mike, one of the, the producers over here, uh, when he packed my gear, he didn't pack me any lights. So we just used the natural light that was coming in through the window of my hotel room, which looked great until the sun went down, which we would have noticed had we not been drinking wine the entire show. So like an hour and a half, two hours later, uh, my wife comes into the room like, are you guys not done yet? We're like, okay, we're wrapping up. We wrap up the thing and we take a look at the footage and like the the autofocus stopped working. That's how dark it was. <laughs> the footage is completely <laughs> unusable. Uh, you could you could almost like, I don't know, keyframe it across the timeline and, and rebalance it and have the video somewhat workable for lighting. But when it gets dark enough that the autofocus stops working, we're just screwed, man. There's nothing useful in there. I mean, at, at, at the end of the recording, I was pretty much a locked Super Smash Bros. like character at that point. <laughs> like there was no, there was a, just a silhouette of me. It's funny because in the beginning, uh, you had better contrast because it was a very bright white room. And I just sort of blended <laughs> into the background. And by the end, uh, the, the, it was so dark that that I was the only thing that had any contrast. And it's just kind of a bummer that I, I, I wasn't white enough to act as a fill light on you. I mean, the, the problem is that cameras can't handle different degrees of melanin in the same frame. So mm. that that's that's really the institutional racism that we could talk about on this podcast. Because I think the that that's institutional very, racism of light. Uh, the li light itself. Actually, no, this is <laughs> it's Black History Month. So I can say this right now, hopefully. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, cameras in Canon. Let's let's go with that. There is actually like a good argument behind that in that it was exposed for a particular hue. And and us people that are darker than blue are left out of the frame, metaphor and pun intended. Well, I've, is is it like, is it systemic like that? Or is it as simple as lighting different colors at the same time is tricky? Like exposing for different colors at the same time can be difficult. Uh, it could be both. I think that it is a difficult task. But at the same time, I think that the priority wasn't there either. You think that this is a, a solvable problem with technology in the camera? At this point, definitely. At this point. Right, you're probably right. Yeah, you're probably right. At the this camera point. sensors are good enough. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like we just had, and I'm sure that my learned colleague um, of Nebula, Jordan Howard, could talk about the, the camera um, what what word is it? The camera biases uh, that exist in face ID and stuff like that. It was able to track <laughs> some faces better than others. So I mean, there's 
there's a litany of different things that there we could get into, which actually I think is a great segue into the point because ruminations had it that you you wanted to quibble with me with something semantic related. What I don't remember what I wanted to argue with you about. We have attempted this show. We have <laughs> uh, scheduled it several times. We even recorded and filmed one. And yet here we are again. I don't remember what the hell we're supposed to talk about. We're I being just, sens- oh, we're being was, censored by tweet. him himself. Oh yeah, my tweet. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's tweet. right. Uh, do we want to get right into this? I feel like we should keep the. I, I try to save the spicier stuff for later in the show, so okay. that only the people who are invested enough in the conversation get there. Like that way, uh, you know, the first ten minute people they're not really into the show yet. It's the people at sure. like the thirty minute mark. They're invested enough that I can trust that they'll get the nuance. And well, ah, fuck it, I'll just get into it. So you you had tweeted something. Uh, that I found interesting and I disagree with. And I'll say that normally on this show, when I'm disagreeing with people or if there's this uh, spirit of uh, debate, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, I don't really think of it in those terms, but but like it's all very creator economy centric. With this particular item, uh, I think it's relevant to what you talk about on your show and the issues that that you address as a creator, but the issue itself is not. And the tweet was, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something to the effect of people of color cannot be racist. Yeah, yeah. Or, or you took issue with people, uh, like you didn't understand how anyone could not agree with the sentiment that people of yeah. color cannot be racist. I think I said something to the effect of, I didn't realize it was a controversial take to think or or to posit that people of color cannot be racist. And your, and, your follow-up, again, I'm, I'm doing this from memory. I, I have no notes here. Uh, I, I, I'm fully unprepared other than my own brain. Um, it was uh, something to the effect of um, in order for there to be racism, there must be uh, a power imbalance. Absolutely. Historically, yes. Tell me, tell me your thoughts on this. So, yeah. If defend yourself, <laughs> defend my defend my my views on racism as a mm. black man <laughs> in Black History Month for a white audience. <laughs> that's it. That's my defense. <laughs> no, no, but seriously. Um, now who's getting canceled? Jesus. <laughs> no, but but in all honesty, I also don't want this to be taken out of context. This is the type of conversation that can be had in the company of people of whom there's a mutual trust. I adore right. Dave, not only because he makes me money, but, <laughs> but, I, but I, adore, I adore Dave. Um, I know Dave's heart. Um, and Dave would, would be the first to admit to his and um, potential past of microaggressions or whatnot. Um, and that's the reason why Possibly I feel- present if you're <laughs> listening to the show. And I think that that's the reason why, like, I would feel safe having this type of conversation with you. With people, with randos on Twitter, not so much. That's why, like, I stopped replying to them. But essentially, in my Pollock's way of discussing it, um, racism is a social construct designed by white people, which, also hot take, white people are not real. Um, basically, whiteness is not real. No, you're not white, Dave. You're aren't you like German or some shit? Yeah. I'm 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 a late uh, orangish pink. You you have a culture is what I'm saying. You're German. Do I? Do you, I do not, am I? 
as as a don't you have like like German heritage or some shit with that? The point that I'm making no is idea. white. What you told me already? I'm not making this up. I'm not no, no, assuming I, that you're German. <laughs> no, I I I assume that the name Whiskus probably has German roots. I truly don't know where my family is from. I and know that's back the point. like two generations. I but, but beyond that, I, I have no idea. I've never never been interested. And that's the point. That's what whiteness does. Whiteness robs you of your individuality and your culture. Racism is not only something that is weaponized against people of color. It is an instrument used by an oligarchy of people without hue, in this case, um, to categorize and subjugate people with hue. So historically, if you look at how it's been used, it can only be in a dynamic where it's a white person and a person of color. So the issue that we normally get into is where we get, and this is this is only with a, a subset of people, but you sort you sometimes have like white people claiming about reverse racism or um, a person of color saying something to a white person that they don't like. There's a litany of different examples of which you have like black people saying something that white people don't like, and they're saying that it's reverse racism when really it's prejudice. What we're talking about, it's prejudice. So in the semantics of it, prejudice is when you, and prejudice you could have against anybody. Prejudice is when one person holds a particular type of sentiment regarding another that isn't necessarily warranted or is assumed by is assumed by stereotypes or what have you. Racism, in contrast, is in relation to power. It's in relation to one class of people having a historical subjugation of another class of people. So in regards with that tweet, no, white people are only racist or they can only be racist to black people. Black people or people of color cannot be racist to white people because they don't have the socio-political power structure that allows for racism to exist. There's a lot to unpack. So much. And I, I don't, I'm not an expert in, uh, frankly, anything. And none of my opinions should ever be regarded as uh, good or useful or emblematic or representative of anyone else's opinions or any opinions that anyone should ever have ever. Uh, all of that said, my, my thoughts on this are complex. Mm. While, uh, while I am bright enough to stand out against the background here, um, the, the way I grew up, I was almost always the white kid in school. I grew up in, in predominantly black and Hispanic schools. Um, I didn't, <laughs> I lived in uh, Southern California and uh, in the suburbs of Denver. I didn't realize until much later in life that Denver is a very white city because the areas, the specific areas of Denver that I lived in, like uh, North Aurora, um, were, were not especially white or not as white as the rest of Denver. And so being, being the white kid in school or being like the white kid in my, my friend group as a kid was not unusual. And so my, my perspective on this is not, uh, that of, I was a, uh, poor subjugated white kid or something like that, but rather that like, and I don't want to play the, I don't see race game because my family especially like my grandfather was super racist. I heard all sorts of terrible things, but I also didn't know how to contextualize them with the world that I saw 
when all of my friends were uh, black or Mexican, uh, it, it was it, it, like I didn't process it. Like I heard these things, but it wasn't what I saw or what I experienced. And so I just had this like internal cognitive dissonance of like, okay, these people say these things. And that's just things that people say, which might be like the one of the more insidious things about institutional racism is that like you may not feel it, but it's okay that people say that, right? It's not until later in life or until you like process things differently that you're like, oh, that was actually kind of fucked up that people ever said that at all. Um, my my experiences though are are such like I have been picked on for being the white kid. It wasn't this horrible thing that I'm not able to get over or whatever. It was it wasn't a huge deal, but it certainly happened. And the the systems that I grew up in, while I I understand that at a larger level systemically there's still a power imbalance. Like in in those relationships in those dynamics, it wasn't quite the same thing. And I don't I don't know that it is impossible for um, I don't know that I agree that it's impossible for people of color to be racist to white people uh, under under that definition because it is still possible to have power imbalance. It is still possible for there to be um, inequities in these relationships at different levels. So like if you are um, if you if you are part of a culture that that is is largely of one ethnic group and you are different and the the governments of that that culture the uh, the the adults in the room so to speak of that culture uh, are of one ethnicity and then you are a different culture coming in I'm not saying white but like of any other different ethnicity coming in mm -hmm. um, it, it how how could there not be some kind of power imbalance yeah so <clears throat> And, and first, I, I just still want to respond to the grandfather point. Everyone's grandfather is racist. So I mean, like that's <laughs> like that, to, his, to his credit and his defense. But so there's definitely um, there's definitely a lot to be said of malignment and marginalization on behalf of minorities. We're talking. Let's let's stick to the U.S. or. or just for the sake of discussion, sticking to the U.S., there's definitely something to be had of minorities um, wielding uh, the redistribution of social power, um, which is a newfound phenomena. Only in the past couple of years, and one could argue that it's a farce in any event, but you do have instances of which minorities take advantage of the fact that they are now, or it is in vogue to be progressive. It is in vogue to be accepting, inclusive, and cognizant of the horrors, and local to the United States, the horrors of the way that America was built. Um, sure. Shadow slavery and whatnot. So you do have some minorities that therefore understand that, understand that there's now some systemic backing in a very modicum of a of a redistribution of social power, and they weaponize that against some people. So in in the case of like if it's a you and and let's let's also address this. I don't I hope I I don't think that you would mind me saying this, but there's a there's a relationship between both of us when it comes to class. So you came from a very impoverished class. And I came from a very upper middle class in the Bahamas. 
So there's this, there's this interesting dynamic that we have where I am marginalized in my own right, and you are as well. And we, we, um, there's a bunch of different ways in which like we find solidarity in our experiences due to the fact that that class solidarity exists. Granted, if there were more wherewithal amongst us, more people would recognize that the poor white boy has a lot more in common with the marginalized black boy than the white boy has in common with the bourgeoisie. This is why you and I, uh, we should be working together to stick it to the man. And that's why we do. A lot of the the dynamics of of racism, especially in this country, or particularly in this country, almost exclusive. Well, that's not fair. Largely in this country, the way that, that race dynamics are played, uh, I I think is is designed to ensure yes. that people who are from where I'm from and people who are from where you're from are too busy arguing with each other or fighting with each other to realize like we both have a common enemy. We both and the enemy is not. And ethnicity. The enemy is not a gender. We, like we can say the man, we can say the white man. And these are like, at least from where I'm sitting, kind of jokey ways of addressing a thing. But I think the truth is that it's a system. And that system was built by uh, people who largely looked like me. But to to frame it as a, a uh, as being exclusively for and people who look like me uh, only ever benefit from such a system is uh, disingenuous and probably hurting a bigger conversation we could be having. That's fair um, to say that, to, to basically come to the agreement that given that you benefit from, you're talking about like white privilege in this case, given that you benefit oh, yeah. from it, even though that you are not, and male privilege, exactly, straight male privilege as well, um, that you benefit more than I would from that system. And therefore that nullifies every other instance of prejudice, of malignment in different cases. I agree, that obfuscates like a lot of different um, progress. Now, to get back on, on course, because like I'll talk around it forever, the reason why um, racism in this case and the discussion that people of color cannot be racist is because historically and still to this day, we do lack the social and political capital necessary for racism. That's not to say that an individual person of color cannot use their power to marginalize a white person, um, you know, to say that like someone like Obama cannot marginalize some of his, like a white working staff inside the White House or even just a, a regular person. That is, that would be farcical. Um, and then we get into this, um, this semantic trap as I would call it in this case, where we're saying, okay, well, Obama was in the White House. Of course, he has power. How can you say that Black people or people of color cannot be racist if it's relating to that power? Yeah, out of 46 that, presidents, one was a Black guy. So everything must be equal now. Precisely. And that and that's the point right there. You basically, the no amount of newfound money in the Black community in the United States will ever be able to hold a candle to the fire that is the institutional, historic, social, political malignment and violence that the United States was founded upon. So even when we do, and when I say we, like let's say like Black Americans in this case, even when Black Americans or, or people of color gain some type of institutional power, that still is just a modicum in comparison to the 
legacy of, can't even say it, but white power um, that exists in the United States. Um, so, so that's the reason why, like, it's, it, and both of these things could be true at the same time. So what you were saying earlier about to say that white or black people can't be racist towards white people, even though they have power, um, negates the fact that there are cases of which black people are in positions of power and they can do a lot of harm to impoverished white folks, um, queer white folks, disabled white folks, all different classes of white folks. Um, and that's real. And But that's also just assuming uh, white folks are the target which not necessarily where I'd go with that. I think that uh, ultimately, and mm -hmm. I don't want to jump straight to the end here, but ultimately I agree with you within the framework that you set with, with the way you define these terms and the way you, you posit your, your, your thesis. Uh, I agree with you. I think you're right where I take issue. And this took me a little while because I'm reading a tweet, right? So like, mm -hmm. what the fuck is that? What, what can I get out of that other than, you know, 280 characters at best? Um, and I read white people can't be, or uh, not, uh, people of color can't be racist. I'm just like, what does that mean? Of course they, like, what? And mm -hmm. it took me a minute, it, it took me a minute to uh, convince myself that I have no business responding to that tweet. Because like that, that is not the place, my friend. That is not, that's not a conversation I can enter into in a public forum and come out clean um, who knows if I can even do it here? Uh, but that is that is not the <laughs> Twitter is not the time or place for nuance. Absolutely. Uh, and it, it wasn't going to work out well for anybody. Uh, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized that my my issue was not with what you meant. And I, like, I don't even know that I would say I have an issue. What do I care? Uh, but what I find interesting is that I think the the disconnect is between not your uh, ideology and mine. I don't think we're, we're disconnected at all. I think that ultimately where I was confused was that uh, you, you were using a term in a different way than I think the people who are on the other side of that issue are using the term. And as so often happens on the internet, um, the nuance is lost and we end up with you are either on this side of a thing or on this side of a thing. And uh, to, let's, let's tie this up in a creator economy package. A current example of this uh, is the discussion over whether or not uh, Jimmy, Mr. Beast, helping cure blind people is good or bad. And that is a conversation happening on the internet, uh, on Twitter and in discords and Slack channels about, you know, is, is it the case that he is um, glorifying poverty tourism? Is it inherently ableist to cure blind people and not accept them for who they are, which is a take I've seen? Um, or is it true that he is uh, unfairly maligned and he is just a guy trying to help people? Like, what is it wrong to try to help people? And where I get frustrated with that is like, if you try to say that the the act itself or if you try to point to him and say this video bad then it's really easy for people who want to defend him to say well that's an insane perspective he's just trying to help people so therefore everything he does must be good and i can see this little microcosm mm. 
of how we end up in these political situations where it is so easy for either side to frame the other side's arguments as irrational, invalid, insane. If you are a Jimmy fan, your position is anyone who thinks this video is bad must be an insane person because all he's trying to do is help blind people. What the fuck is wrong with you? If you are concerned about the glorification of billionaires and you are concerned about poverty tourism and people weaponizing the disadvantages and marginalization of others uh, for their own benefit, then it is fair to see this as just another example of that evil. But if neither side is thinking about it critically and evaluating the entirety of the situation and taking into account the other side's perspective, then of course you're going to end up with this bonkers ass false dichotomy. And I'm, I'm, I'm going off here, but my point is, I think that, that what I was having that momentary reaction to was that you're using the word racist or racism in a context that is different from what I'm used to that word meaning. And so my reaction is to a difference in the definition. And I think that's interesting. Mm, okay. I see. I see what you're saying. It's, and, and there has to be something to be said about the space and the medium of which it's made, that statement is made. Um, mm -hmm. You talked about it earlier, and just like Twitter as a space is algorithmically and also by design something that allows, facilitates, rewards and incentivizes hot takes. Um, <laughs> it, it, it incentivizes the football match of two teams or three yep. teams or just like different people. They will show a Mr. Beast thumbnail to a person that does not like, like a person like me that is in consumption, is trying to attack or trying to um, dismantle these systems of things like poverty tourism or things like, you know, oh, you indigent little child in Ethiopia, please show me your ribs and let me zoom in on the camera so I could like, you know, talk about how poor you are, like shoving a microphone in like a small Ethiopian guy's kid. And I just said, hey, you know, tell me about your poverty. Tell me about like your, you know, everything like that. Um, For just 70 cents a day, you could I, feed the starving child. <laughs> I mean, that's, what's the guy that passed away, unfortunately? Oh God, um, that basically would do things like that. Anyway, that, I'm getting off point. The point is, is that the algorithm would like to, and when I say the algorithm, this is this mystical, mystical figure. Um, and let's try to, <laughs> not Todd in this case, but I guess Musk. Um, but, mm. but yeah, algorithms all over. Uh, their interest is to keep people on the platform. And one of the things that gets people on the platform more than, you know, things that make them happy are things that make them horrified or things that make them angry. And that's why they will show a tweet that is antipodal to your worldview in order to incense you so that you can engage with that, um, which is actually extremely fascinating. I do believe that that happens. You don't agree. No, no, I'm just thinking about that as a oh. sentence. Yeah, but <laughs> just processing. You look off into the distance, that's assuming when I thought. But but in also just like a quick aside onto Mr. Beast. Um, and this isn't a hot take at all. Um Jimmy Well it's supposed as, to be a creator economy show, so like go off. Yeah, there. yeah, definitely. That's probably on more Beast. on topic for the audience, but then yeah. a tweet about racism. Well, when I saw that thumbnail of Mr. Beast with his hand on a, a child, a child's it's so shoulder. Bad. It's standing behind the kid in a hospital with that and cre creepy smiling. smile. 
this mirth, like he's in, you could smell the formaldehyde of the hospital in the thumbnail. And he's right there like, I'm just like my man. Come on now, my man, please, Jimmy. And and yeah, it's that picture right there. And I'm like, and Jimmy is is a whiz, is literally probably the best when it comes to optimizing uh, for clicks, for retention, everything like that. So attention, I find it- which, Yeah, it, it works. This one it, definitely got the attention. It got people talking, but not for the reasons that I think that he wanted because of mm. the way that he followed up. But who knows? It might be extremely well, diabolical. Is, is is there? I don't know. Nobody's ever really canceled. Not really. Not. All it all it does is um, allow people to entrench themselves into parasocial relationships in these cases. And uh, I think for Jimmy, he people who disliked him are now more aware of him, and people who liked him are now more in love with him. So like, there's no losing move. And if he's smart, he can take advantage of that, capitalize on it. I'm not saying that was his intent. I really don't think it was. But like. Nah. No bad press, man. Yeah, and yeah, and in this case, it definitely shows that like he reached into spheres that he normally wouldn't. I my criticism of the thumb of the video is initially, of course, a thumbnail. It's it's a thumbnail in poor taste. I it might be an effective thumbnail, but it's a thumbnail in poor taste. Um, and then the video itself, I I haven't watched that one. It's not my cup of tea. But I think that people that are criticizing Jimmy are unfortunately missing the forest for the trees in this case. The problem isn't Jimmy doing this. The problem is that the, the system that we live in allows, and not only allows, but, but purposefully has created a disparity of wealth and resources and opportunity to the point where someone can go without such a corrective surgery that will increase the margin of their quality of life immensely. And you need right. a, you need some, some white kid from North Carolina to spend his copious amounts of profligate wealth in order to, in order to assuage that system. And that's the disgust in it. And I think that people, and not just people in this case, but I think that people in general get mad at the wrong things. We're constantly in a in a situation where we are marginalized and power is being stripped and rendered from us. So we can't attack the system. We could shake our skinny fists to the sky at you know the White House, but we can't necessarily attack it. I mean, unless unless it's January 6th. But you know, you can't you can't attack a system in that regard, right? So it's it's easier to attack people. It's easier to look at Jimmy and be all like, "You bad, you white cis man, bad." Um, you're not going to get that much, especially right now. Um, you will get applauded in a lot of circles for that, uh, but it's a lot more difficult, a lot more nuanced, however, a lot more productive to agitate the system and say, why is it that Mr. Beast has to do this? Or is in a position to even do this? Why is it, it is, that he, he can do that? Hmm? Go for it. it. It is so easy to wear our opinions uh, the way that you would wear your team's colors. When you go on Twitter and you say, Jimmy bad, it's not really you letting people know or you trying to spread a message. And certainly he's not going to see it. 
Mr. Beast wrong. It's what you're doing is you're trying to telegraph to your circle that you belong yes. to them. You, you you are part of that group. This is a, its own form of tribalism. And that's fine. We we talk, uh, there, there's, I shouldn't say we, I'm not sure we use this. Uh, people will use the term uh, virtue signaling, which is a real thing. And mm -hmm. it's not even inherently bad. Letting others know where you stand on an issue is virtue signaling. It's also usually a good idea. Um, the trouble with, mm -hmm. with Twitter or social media is so many of us tweet as if we're headlining Coachella and the, we have this, this image in our heads that there's an audience out there hanging on our every words when uh, spoiler alert, nobody gives two shits what we have to say. Um, it's just this cacophony of bullshit. There's no, there's no way that your opinion can matter or break out of, of that, uh, cacophony, uh, unless it is spicy unless you have a spicy hot take then they'll elevate a little bit and so what what might be uh wow that that video might be a little bit in poor taste yikes instead becomes this is a problem because of the patriarchy and because of and you're like what the fuck it's a dude trying to help blind kids and sure there's problems and i i i posted this on twitter where everybody hangs on my every word but the the there are a million things that you can and honestly should criticize Mr. Beast for. Helping blind people is not one of them. The way he goes about doing it, maybe we can talk about how on a scale of one to 10, maybe he landed at a seven. But to treat it as if it's either perfect, you're either a demon or an angel is ridiculous. And to approach it in those terms, you just, I don't know how you can live your life like that. Could he have done more with his platform to point out that the system is broken and these people shouldn't have needed him? Sure. Does he have a responsibility? Arguably, yes, but that's debatable. Is he a monster for making a video and helping? Of course not. That's, a, that's, that's not a reasonable take. That's not a reasonable way to feel. And when we take these stances, I don't think it's really about we feel that way. I think it's about trying to tell other people like, oh, no, I'm in this group. I'm, I'm a good person. You, everyone knows I'm good, right? We all, we all agree I'm a good person. We, okay, cool. As long as we know that. As long as we know that, then I'm okay. And I, I think that where we end up, I'm going to tie this back up. Uh, when, we, when we end up in conversations about uh, whether or not groups of people can be racist, I don't think that you and I disagree. And I think that me responding on Twitter would have been like, oh shit, they're going to fight and it's going to be a whole thing and there's going to be people on sides. One of us probably gets canceled. Um, and it's it's just kind of a you know a bad time for all of us. Uh, like here's here's how I think that goes down. I think I reply to you. We, we like trade a couple of jokes on Twitter, knowing each other. And then other people out there in the world make a bunch of assumptions about that conversation, about our relationship. And uh, while you and I are like giggling behind the scenes, the rest of the world is like, that guy, he did a terrible thing. Because there's no room for nuance in that conversation, which is why it's way more interesting to talk about this here. Uh, how, how is it possible then to have these conversations about anything important without it devolving into sports teams? Well, that's that's a hawking to my political science masters now. That's a question. Political participation in the polis. The polis is this term of which politics occur, and it's a public thing. Um, 
if you look at the separation of the different ways of the spheres where politics happens, it's the public and the things that like are supposed to be in the private sphere. If you're looking at a Venn diagram, this is me illustrating a Venn diagram poorly. In the private sphere, that's Imagine where you if love. you will. <laughs> Imagine if you will. Take a gander. A circle of public and a circle of private. And in the private, you have your religion, what you love, your fetishes, all of these other things. In the public, you have politics. And the reason, these are things that are supposed to be separate. However, of course, we know often too well, if we've ever read Calvin, that those things don't end up being not separate. So you have this thing in the middle, which is called the social. Um, it's a it's an idea put forth by Hannah Arndt, probably one of my favorite political scientists. And the thing is, the public is supposed to be this space of which discussion about because essentially what's happening inside Twitter right now, that is politics. Regard like whether you want to believe it or not, these tweets in the discourse, it is politics. It is yeah. the the way that we're doing it right now, the modern, updated, and in many ways bastardized version of politics. Um, no longer people meeting in the town square to discuss their takes on you know different things that govern their lives. They are going to Twitter and they're putting out hot takes, but that's the problem. You see, the, the motivation behind it is wrong now. No longer are we trying to figure out, I don't think that anybody on Twitter for the most part are, is tweeting to engender a better world for them to live in. They're engendering or they're tweeting because they want engagement. They want likes, they want follows. And they in order clout. to do that, they want clout. And rarely enough does well-meaning discourse actually result in engagement, unfortunately. A harmonious discussion that we could have had that's nuanced, filled with laugh, wholehearted stuff, agreements, non-fiery language, that's not gonna do well. Um, but if you post something that's fiery, it may. So the question is, how do you get back to the polis? That's essentially what you're asking. How do you get back to a situation where we have discussion and discourse that is agitating the current status quo in search of something better or, or progress? And I agree with you in this case, because I believe that the smartphone has killed that. Um, the the social media systems that we have has has kind of killed that in many different ways, and I honestly am very pessimistic if we will be able to get to a point where we are able to discuss things in a non-incendiary way, especially online, because the things that we discuss online, especially, are not the same. It doesn't have the same vehement. We talked about this in person, and it was not the the fiery debate that it could have been maybe on on um on Twitter. The things that we talked about, uh, I don't know if you want to get into that, but we we talked about stuff like fat phobia or anti fatness, um, and it was a nuance back and forth. It had a varying degrees of perspectives, and at the end, we went and we got something to eat, and we laughed. You know, mm -hmm. that doesn't happen on Twitter. Literally, like, that's that you're not even that's not like even your speech. Like we literally went and got food after that. <laughs> and I, I think that is when you know somebody, like when when it's a human being that you have to keep talking to after the the argument, you simply discuss these things differently unless you're an irrational jackass, I guess. I mean, there are certainly um, like American Thanksgiving <laughs> can often be like arguing with family members, um, but there's not like the level of consequence there 
I think that even then it comes out of this we we now exist in a world where where there is uh we we make consequence free declarations of our opinions where we can find our tribes on the internet where uh, I might not not me but like one might go into a room on on the internet uh 20 30 years ago and say something kind of racist and other people socially would be uh in a position to say hey, that, that's kind of a fucked up racist thing to say. You shouldn't say that. And it's like, oh, okay, I'll keep that to myself now. And the Nazis <laughs> stayed hidden. Now it is possible for someone who feels these things and has these, these thoughts in their heart to go into a room and say something kind of racist. And the other people might jump in and say, hey, that's kind of racist. But you're not even halfway there. It's actually way worse. The black people did all these terrible things and they're holding you down like the Jews and the things and the uh, and and like, you know what? That person's right. We should hate more people. And you can end up going down this this rabbit hole of uh, you know, you were five percent racist and now you're eighty percent racist. You were three percent anti-Semitic and now you're ninety percent anti-Semitic. And it becomes just more and more the goalpost of what is too much just keeps moving further and further away. And uh, then when you enter into a real life conversation, you're not talking to a real person anymore. You're talking to the internet the way you would talk to the internet and you're expecting to get the feedback. And if you don't, well, then you must be the enemy that, that me and all of my other uh, bonkers ass, racist, anti-Semitic, misogynist, anti-trans, whatever people were sitting around saying, now you're the person we were talking about that whole time. And these fake communities of, of, uh, hate echo chamber turn into uh we can't have real conversations anymore but when it's somebody you know and we're talking about in in the case of the conversation we had before we're talking about um darren aronofsky's the whale and whether or not the movie is is uh fat phobic and what that even means and i don't know if it's worth going all the way down that rabbit hole but uh at the end of that conversation you and I are heading downstairs to hit up a restaurant and grab some food. We have a working relationship. You are a friend of mine. So it's not like I can just be upset at you about this thing. We can't take these extreme positions with no room to, to, um, with no room for the other person's opinion. And I miss that. Yeah. I miss that on the internet. Was it ever, was it ever a thing on the internet? Oh yeah. 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 Uh, there were certainly trolls, but they were called out for being such. Hmm. If you went into uh, a room saying racist things, here's a crazy one. A long, long, long time ago, uh, I I would get into uh, Usenet arguments with comedians, uh, one of whom was Joe Rogan, <laughs> about uh, different types of issues. And it was... Even in those rooms, it was uh, people taking taking positions, but in a way that they were still kind of performing. And everyone else knew that it was a performance. Like, I'm going to play the character of a person who feels this more strongly than I do. And you'd get mm -hmm. into what we called at the time flame wars. But at the end of the day, you knew that you're arguing with a caricature of a person, not a real person. And then time goes by and that caricature becomes the person, not just in, in those particular groups or not just Joe Rogan, who I'm not going to pretend I know the guy, but, you know, argued with him on the Internet once or twice. Years go by and a person who's been doing that for so long as the Internet develops, as online communities develop, 
uh, and the echo chambers come into existence, it is easier and easier for a person with entrenched beliefs to be supported. When you are only surrounded by validation, mm -hmm. the only direction you can grow is the the uh, your own instincts. If all you ever get is a yes, the only growth you're going to experience is whatever your impulses are. Only your id can grow, and you know, we this is where we are now. Yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a great illustration of it. I mean, the the point of it is that when you have this sycophantic echo chamber around you, you get more radicalized in either direction, um, mm -hmm. and. I think also the way that we agitate for people that have crossed the line or has offended someone, I think the way that we agitate for it is also ineffective and also not the right, not the right way to do it. I think that our understanding of accountability needs work. Um, you know, going to hold someone for a public pillory uh, for them saying something transphobic or for them, you know, like like if like if the worlds were reversed and someone tried to put me in the pillory for saying that white people, I mean uh, people of color can't be racist. If if someone took me to task and said, you know what, Peter, you 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 really you did it this time. You went too far. Their way, their what is what does the retribution look like? How what is that situation remedied? How does it look? <laughs> does it look like me losing my platform and? you know, me not being able to feed myself? Does it look like, you know, me not getting any views further on? Is that what you want? Um, and if that's the case, then why? Why are you Why are you a jail, essentially? You know, mm. why are you the carceral system at this point? Because that's essentially what you are. You're not trying to, and, and this also goes for people um, like myself that are, you know, unironically social justice warriors at this point. Um, when we agitate for change, the way that we're going about it, um, harking back to this tweet that I just did a whole video on about um, the left doesn't do anything for men. Um, essentially, it just, uh, in, I'm paraphrasing, but they basically said that we're punishing men in these leftist spaces and we don't have any useful advice for them. Um, to which that's one, absolutely not true, but two, the sentiment of that is something that resonates with me. Um, as a cishet man that has come from a very conservative background and like the Caribbean is like conservatism on steroids um, in many different ways. And I know what it's like to be in that position. And in many ways, I still am in those positions of bigotry. You know, like the reason why I'm on Nebula in the first place is because you saw my video combating Caribbean homophobia. And the one thing that you told me to just to basically just speak for you at this point. It's just like, we need more situations or we need more creators that are willing to not act as though or perform perfection of their takes and say that they have arrived to that destination already of political correctness or progressiveness, but to show the, show the trek, show the journey, show the ugly parts of it. And that's, that's me. All I show is the ugly parts actually, because that's, one, it's a better story. Like if I'm just talking like flowery about myself, it's not a good idea. And two, I'm accounting for whatever is in my past that someone is going to be able to wield as in the court of, of public opinion and just say, Foreign did something when he was 13 
and it offends me in 2023. And <laughs> we need to cancel him future as well. Like not only foreign right now, but foreign in the future needs to be canceled for something that foreign said when he was 13. That's that's not effective. Um, that is actually what we do right now, publicly pillorying people. That's a alliteration. Um, in order to not only virtue signal to others, but also to punish people. It's it's not to remedy or hold them accountable. It's, it's punishment. Um, and we really need to begin to think about like how better we can get about accountability and what exactly does it look like and what does it do? And what does what is accountability for? Like I, I went through an exercise maybe a year ago where I, I don't know, I've been on Twitter since 2007. My Twitter account is old enough to drive. And I am sure that in the last 16 years, I've probably changed a little bit. And I've probably so. said some dumb shit along the way. And I don't, I've, I'm going back through, I like, I've, I'm just going through like, oh, delete that, delete that, delete that. And some of them were just like, mm, that might not be the most productive way of framing a conversation. Or that was, you got to understand that in the, the earliest days that when you go to twitter.com, it was a prompt that said, what are you doing? <laughs> so like a lot of my earliest tweets were like having a sandwich, which <laughs> like, who, who, today with the way we think of Twitter today, uh, 16, 17 years later, well, nobody cares that you're eating a sandwich. There's still some people who tweet like that. But that isn't the way you would use. It's not a way uh, a person would typically use the platform now. So some of it was just deleting old, you know, dumb shit like that. And some of them were just like, I was trying to be funny, or um, I was using terms that I know now that you're not supposed to use, but at the time it had not quite come into consciousness that you're not supposed to use those terms. Uh, I I kind of want to share one here, but I'm afraid that I'm going to get full on canceled for it. I mean, it's, uh, it's at this point in the podcast where I think that the the sycophants are the only ones watching. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I think you'd be fine. I will. I'll avoid using the word out of out of sensitivity. Uh, but the tweet was something to the effect of like, all jokes aside, can our word vote? And I read that. Wow. And I, I have to laugh because like, wow, I thought that was OK to say. There's a point in my past in the year 2008 where I thought that was an okay thing to type and hit send. It was okay to say. In many yes. places, it still is okay to say. Yes. And that context is important. But like when you, we, we now live in an age where there are certain episodes of uh, 30 Rock or Community that you can't see anymore because characters mocking blackface were in blackface. And that context doesn't matter. The fact that they did it means the mm -hmm. show can't be seen anymore. The nuance is gone. We can't, we can't have a real conversation about this anymore. Uh, so, or or it can't be accepted that like at that time, making fun of these issues and 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 uh, using that as a tool to to bring up and discuss this stuff was interesting and valid and uh, whatever. I wasn't using that word because I I thought this is totally okay to say. I was using that word because it was a little bit edgy but not full on yeah. you're ostracized from the community. Like it's enough to get like a little bit of a laugh out of it, like in a, a comedy club sort of setting, but not right. you're an awful person, we're gonna cancel you. Cause this was long before people got canceled for anything. The view of the, the world then, that is a term that 
it wasn't anyone's favorite word. There were certainly arguments against using it. I wasn't stupid. I wasn't ignorant of that. I was just willing to push that boundary a little bit. Uh, side note, I've since looked it up. And yes, people who are mentally disabled still get to vote. It was a genuine question at the time. I, I was curious, but I was trying to frame it as like, what's the funniest way I could say this? And that it was just it was dumb. And of course, I look back at that and I'm horrified. And I can either sweep that, like delete the tweet, sweep it under the rug, pretend it never happened. Or I can address it in a conversation like this, pointing it out, saying like, we need to acknowledge the worse past versions of ourselves if there's any validity to that growth and that change. In the same way that if you're in an echo chamber, the only part of you that can grow is your id, I don't want to be in a place where I cannot grow with my own accountability. I want to make sure that if I've said dumb things, I can own that and, and grow past it. Like I, I'm going to, as a person, I think all of us do, but speaking only for myself, like I need that scar tissue. If I don't have the scar tissue of, I said dumb thing and now I understand why that was bad, I don't feel like I've made any progress. So watching uh, your uh, video about your, your, your past with, with feeling or thinking or saying homophobic things, to me, I, I, that, that's empowering. That empowers me to own my own past and confront it rather than try to pretend it didn't happen. Absolutely. And that's, and that's what I want. And that's actually, I think, my, my calling card at this point because- People in those comments, they said, okay, I'm not, I'm not homophobic, but like I, as a trans person, um, have expressed racism in my past or racism right now. And this helped me come to grips with that. So people are vicariously living through my attempt at taking accountability for things, which is something that I could gift to others. And I said, okay, this is, this is something that I would like to do. It just goes to show extremely how invested our own language is in bigotry and in malignment and how even our very language is a part of the system that we belong to that harms people. There's a bunch of things that we say on a regular basis that has, you know, very awful roots. I, I, one of the things that like a lot of my audience didn't realize is the, it's the term peanut gallery. Um, in the in the spirit of Black History Month, peanut gallery is a racist term. It is in really? reference to yeah, it's 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 spe it's specifically speaking to the black people that used to occupy the cheaper seats. People of poor class used to be in the peanut gallery, and those were people. They were black people. So when you're saying that oh, the peanut gallery is, is talking again. You're referring to these black people of of lesser means. Um, it's it's a term. There's a, and there's a bunch of terms like even like saying something like oh um, they have me. Uh, I, the one that I one that I I hear even black people saying um, uh, you're being uppity. I think like uh, I think like some people may know about that, but uppity is in reference to black slaves when they were on the plantation and mostly in reference to those in the house um, in the plantations because they were of lighter skin and they became a little sadiddy. I don't know if that's a, it's a term that people use on a regular basis. Sadiddy means um, kind of, uh, how can I say, arrogant or, or, you know, conceited with themselves because they weren't on the field. They were inside the house. So they called them uppity. Um, it's in reference to, the full thing is you uppity Negro. Um, there's a lot of different 
terms that are used on a regular basis that we still don't realize how deeply entrenched they are in ostracizing and othering some people and in a way bolstering another. And I think that the best thing to refute that is to take accountability for that, is to acknowledge the fact that, listen, it is extremely hard work to be on a journey to shelve yourself, to decolonize your mind, to shelve your bigotry. And people who perform that they've already reached there are probably people that you shouldn't trust that they've actually reached there. I far more trust the person like like when you said like, oh, like this isn't something that like your racist past isn't a past, like on a regular basis, like you have microaggressions. I expect you to say that because, like I say, I know you and I know that you are on a like it's a journey. It's not a destination. You are on an everyday basis auditing yourself to say, OK, like, can I let me talk about this. I have to talk about this. So basically, um, Dave's wife, Yulia of whom I adore, um, is from Russia, hails from Russia. And we're discussing, I'm not too sure. Oh, we're discussing the origin of my name. As many people we're know, I'm We're discussing what to call you. Because yeah. we, were, we, were in, we were in your home. We were in Nassau. So yeah. it was like, and, and colloquially, uh, like as a, as a nickname, because of your channel, like the way that we call Sam from Wendover, Wendy, uh, people call you foreign. But that's mm -hmm. a that's a word that doesn't make a ton of sense when like we're all the foreigners and we're actually in your country, in your city, in your home. So foreign <laughs> doesn't make any sense. And uh, somebody, maybe me, was like, maybe we should call you local. And you're like, nope, that has other issues. And then and then Yulia butts in, and I adore Yulia yet again. And she's just like, what if we call you homie? <laughs> she didn't know. She didn't know. <laughs> she didn't this she is this know. is not that's not a part of American culture she's been exposed to really. Um, she didn't know. And and like literally, she like I I start laughing like raucously. Um and, and I console her also because like she's like turning red and she's just like, wait, what happened? And it's obvious at that point that like, and I and I tell her, I was just like, okay, if you didn't have like a thick Russian accent and instead you had a valley girl accent, I may have been offended. <laughs> Same but had it had it not been so obvious that she didn't mean the thing that she just said, uh, I think that would have played very differently. And then immediately, like I I call it Julia and I lose the upper hand upper hand. It was so great because like we're like, oh, is it local? Nope, that's a problem. Towny? Nope, that doesn't work either. And she's like, maybe homey. And she's just thinking, home E. E. That's it. That's it. That's it. They're just making home into a cute thing. Not realizing that there's this whole other, and so we we like take the moment to explain like here's culturally why that's a thing, and white people will try to address black people using this sort of vernacular, and it's, it's kind of condescending, and there's this, uh, and then you were like, oh, I'm never gonna let you forget this. This is too funny. I'm gonna like this is gonna be a thing forever, and then immediately referred to her as Julia, and it's like, oh, you lost the high ground so fast. I don't think I've ever seen anyone lose the high ground that quickly before. The tables turned immensely. But it, <laughs> but it just goes to show, like, and, and that's a good point. Like, it's about intent. You know mm -hmm. what I said? Like, it's, it's really about, like, what is the context and the intention of these, these different sinuettes of, of situations? 
And I think we've lost intent. I think we've lost context. I think we've lost nuance in a lot of these cases. Um, it's one of the reasons why like, I like to send voice notes instead of text. And I haphazardly would do that inside of the Slack and, and abuse Slack etiquette by sending voice notes inside of a, inside of a chat room never, with so many. I'm never going to listen to that. <laughs> but but it's cultural. But that goes to show, like, I want you to get my tone. I want you to hear that sure, I'm being sure. jocular. And we've lost that. And I miss that. And I think we, I optimistically, to end it on a, on a more optimistic note, I think we're going back to some of those things. I think that we're longing for physical events, um, which is why, like, I love, like, what Nebula is doing. I was talking earlier about how the Prince is this physical event, how jet lag, um, you know, had, like, not, well, jet lag may in the future, maybe. I don't know. Can we even talk about, like, it may be in a physical place at some point. Or, like, Patrick Willems. Yeah, yeah Eric, we did. I had a coconut had a premiere. Uh, no, 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 you, you're correct. Night of the Coconut had a premiere. Jetlag had a premiere. Uh, the Prince has its premiere in two days. Uh, as as of, at, yeah, as of the time of this recording, today's Monday. So Wednesday is the premiere. But that's the yeah. excellent part. Like, I mean, the physical events, it shows this demand for wanting to get in person um, beyond the be power together. social. Yeah. Yeah. And, and getting away from from these social um, limitations of Twitter, of of TikTok, and everything like where you just lose so much, um, you want to be able to experience it in person. And I think it shows, it signifies this this time for harking for like something a little bit more personal. And that's even what we're trying to do with YouTube. I mean, the reason why like influencer marketing is going so much is because go long are the days where commercials would thrive and get all kind of conversions because it's, I don't know, Tom Cruise inside there because people know that Tom Cruise is an actor. They don't know if he's acting. However, if you put a YouTuber next to your favorite product, the people that watch that YouTuber and have bonded with them for so long, they're far more likely to convert. And a lot of companies are realizing that. And that's the reason why, like, this personal relationship is so important to the creator economy at this point well i think that the the relationship we we have a responsibility you or i to an extent i guess with a show like this um and all of the creators that we work with all the folks in this community anyone with an audience we have a little bit of a responsibility to uh We're responsible for the things that we say. We're responsible for the things that we do in public. And when we know that tens or hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions or tens or hundreds of millions of people are watching us and to one degree or another looking up to us, if we know that people will go sign up for you know whatever service because we say so, because we talk about it, um, what does that tell us about what people will do if we if we say things like you know what maybe hating women isn't such a bad thing even in subtle ways we're still we're we're now selling that message parasocially we're now selling that as a thing you can do and i think it's important uh call it virtue signaling but one of the things that i do often on this show is i will go out of my way as i do when when i'm talking to creators uh, behind the scenes i'll go out of my way to telegraph my intentions not because i want to be revered as being woke enough 
or not because, hey guys, I'm I'm just an ally. Like I don't want I don't want credit. What I want is to acknowledge that I have influence. I may not have the same kind of on-camera influence that somebody like uh, uh, Brian from Real Engineering or Legal Eagle or Lindsay Ellis or whomever. I may not have that kind of influence, but behind the scenes, I do have real influence. And as as I have built and as we have built this community, one of the more important things that I need to recognize is the example that I set, even when I'm not thinking about setting an example. So when the CEO or the person in charge of the thing is willing to stand up and say, I screwed up, I accidentally did a racism, or I accidentally did a, you know, whatever, whatever micro or even macro aggression I've committed, by owning that, I can telegraph to the room that it is okay to own that. We need examples of people, like the example I saw in, in you in that first video of yours that I saw. We need examples of people taking ownership of, of their flaws so that we can grow. I worry about the lack of the loss of sincerity on social media. And my hope is that people who make things on YouTube, as we thoughtfully dissect there's enough room in a four-hour Jesse Gender video uh, to thoughtfully analyze something without just saying thing bad or thing good and drawing these imaginary lines uh, a, a, across which one must either straddle or uh, evade in order to be the, the, the person that they imagine themselves to be. And so ultimately... What I want is for conversations like this, now I, I don't literally mean you and I on, on a call, uh, but conversations that we have with our audiences. I want for those conversations to mean something. I want for community to mean something. And I think we have a real chance. And I, I literally mean we, you, me, um, all of the people within this community, we have a real chance. Anyone with a voice has a real chance to inspire others to be better in small ways is if, if, if we, if we don't have that responsibility, then what is the price of the success? And, and that is, and it may sound trite or prosaic and, and, you know, mawkish to say, but like, I do believe that. And it's one of the reasons why I adore Nebula. And I think that a, one thing that is binding a Nebula creator at this point um, they branded as this elusive smart mafia, but really what it is, is a coterie of people, weirdly amongst all of these different disciplines, but the theme, the thread that Phil agrees us all together is, I don't want to give you too much credit because your head is huge, but the the example that you've set, okay, it's, a, it's acceptable for us to atone for our wrongdoing and the things that we've done by making accountability for it, You've also shown what won't be tolerated um, and you've shown what would. And that shows with every creator that is in Nebula. Um, and we talked about this before. You said that this might be a question that we might discuss, but what makes a Nebula creator at this point? And I think that one of the things that I noticed, and, and I will say, weirdly enough, and there's not many spaces that I can say this about, but I... Nebula is the safest I've ever felt around white people in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the safest like I've ever felt because, and, and like too. I'm not being, 
I'm not being paid to say that. I'm being paid to say other things, but not that. Um, and I mean that because in many different, I and I, my tertiary education is in Iowa of all places. Um, so I've been around a lot of white people. Um, and Nebula is one of the places, even in person, where I have felt extremely safe. And I think that's due to the type of people that are on Nebula. Um, varying degrees of, of progressiveness and um, inclusivity. But at the same time, there are these boundaries that I think that we all tacitly understand. And this commitment to progress, not only in our own content, but in our own lives. Like when I talk with Rowan from Medlife Crisis, and we have like a long thread in the DMs about longevity science because I fast 20 hours a day and I learn from his Nebula video that he used to fast. That's an amazing amount of camaraderie that me, a black guy from the Bahamas and Rowan, a brown guy in the UK that practices medicine. That's something that really, it's an oddity, it's an anomaly. Like you don't really find that that much. Um, it's, and it's beautiful. Um, you could turn on the Nebula app and that's what I do more, more times than not. And I just say, okay, I'll just pick on a random video. Um, and the curation system actually lends well to that. Thank you very much, Eric and PJ and all the rest that, that do that because it puts me in front of people that I would not normally watch. Um, and that goes to show like a Nebula creator, regardless of their discipline is not only adept in that discipline and in that field, but they also have a particular thread of commitment to being progressive and accepting of a myriad of different experiences. I think that I can say that safely for the majority of people that I've run into in Nebula. I sometimes joke that if society ended and you needed to rebuild it, uh, the the collection of creators that we have would probably be a great starting point. We've got doctors, we've got scientists, we've got engineers, we've got uh, logistics people, uh, like anything that you'd need to restart a society. We got that shit covered. Uh, I think yes to all of that. I think that the the thing that I take very seriously is. I don't remember, I don't know if you remember, we, we had um, here in America, we had an election back in 2016 that uh, didn't go super well for-, for Might've heard about things. it. Yeah. Um, who was it? Somebody, I, say I think he was on The Apprentice. Uh, so I, it might have been Hillary who, who, who said, I, I'm, I'm gonna misattribute this quote, but it was like, integrity matters, character matters. And watching that stuff play out while I was like at the beginning of my relationship of my my uh, with my now wife, who is from Russia and had not she like fresh off the boat right, and so her perspective on the world and and seeing all of these issues through her through her eyes while I'm watching all this crazy Trump shit play out uh, in the election cycle, and thinking about things like uh, character and integrity. It is not a coincidence that this company started in 2017. It was a reaction mm -hmm. to what privilege do I have? How do I need to spend my privilege differently? Um, how can I maintain accountability for how I spend my privilege? And I spent 
from the election on, maybe six months trying to figure this out, um, and finally landed on an answer and started building this, uh, which is to say that it's not about me. I realize I'm the host of the show, I'm the CEO, and and it is easy to come back to talking about uh, Nebula Standard and the thing in this environment. But to me, what's magical about it is that it starts with, with me going, okay, how do I do this? And then I turn to my friends. I turn to people I know in the space who I trust to have character and integrity. And I say, help me build this. Help me do this. And then as I get more of those people in, they, they, uh, they earn the trust of others. And you keep bringing more and more trustworthy people into the thing. It has long since stopped being about me or my ideology or my vision. And it is now like a collection of people who feel the same way or have the same philosophical uh, dreams without necessarily agreeing on, on the details at all times. And my job is much more curator than it is um, architect. I am here to listen to all of these people and try to build a, a system with and for them uh, that, that helps to better accomplish these things. But it is not about me. I don't want it to be about me. I'm trying to be less and less involved in these things. But the reason I think that it works as well as it, as it does, um, and the reason why I enjoy this community so much, there is an expectation or an assumption, rather. There's an assumption from the outside that this community or Nebula or the, the creators we support, that there is like a liberal agenda, a leftist agenda. When you look and you see uh, JT, Second Thought, doing uh, the new F word or making videos called uh, <laughs> how, to, how to Make Communist Propaganda, it is easy to see that and make assumptions. It is easy to look at Simon Clark making climate change videos and make assumptions. What people don't realize behind the scenes a number of our creators go to church every Sunday and get up and speak and are very conservative. <laughs> there are members of our community who have very differing opinions on things like trans issues or on uh, other types of LGBTQ issues or uh, don't have the same perspective as, as what you might assume the collective does. Mm -hmm. We have a number of creators who are uh, white male conservative Christians. They just don't make content promoting those ideals. They don't make videos telling you climate change bad because they don't believe climate change is bad. It is possible. I, this is going to shock some people, but it is possible to be fiscally or even socially conservative and also think that science is probably a good idea. Mm -hmm. And these false dichotomies of politics uh, or political affiliation as sportswear uh, leads us to believe that if you are conservative, you must be an absolute idiot. You must be evil. And that's just, that simply isn't true. It's never been true. And if you know people, if you have people in your life who are not immediately within your echo chamber, you probably know people who have a different perspective on this one issue, but with whom you agree on the other 99 issues on the table. That's very common. I think it's good and it's healthy. And behind the scenes, we have debates all the time about various political issues. We have constructive conversations all the time. I have private conversations with lots of people who are like, hey, this thing being discussed in the chat room right now, I don't feel like there's room for my voice in there. I'm worried that if I contribute, I will send the conversation down a negative path. And sometimes the honest response to that is, you're right. 
Sometimes the honest response is the thing that you think or the way that you feel about this issue is not going to be constructive to this conversation. It doesn't mean you're wrong. I might think you're wrong, but it doesn't mean that you're wrong. What it means is that we respect each other enough to know when and how to read the room, when and how to address one another. And sometimes like, what, what's the thing? Does this need to be said? Does this need to be said now? Does this need to be said now by me? And if we're if we're not just doing internet hot takes, we can take a moment to go through those three questions and answer honestly, you know what? Maybe in this conversation right now amongst a group of marginalized people, I, a cishet white dude, can just shut the fuck up. Maybe even though I disagree, I can just keep that to myself. And this can be a safe place for these people to discuss the things that are on their minds without me intruding on it. Maybe that's okay. And I, I think that there's, um, this is the kind of respect the kind of accountability that I want the world to have. Um, I'm just thrilled to be part of a group of people who are thoughtful and intellectually and emotionally um, resilient enough to, to, to behave that way. Yeah. I take no and, credit for it. I mean, and, and I do believe that if you're not in that room, that room would still have the integrity that it does. Um, I don't ever see you not in that room, but I, I can hypothesize that like if Dave some strange way and knocking on wood is not in the room tomorrow, I still expect the room to behave a particular way. Um, and that's not because of the ghost of you, but just because of the, as you say, I think it's um Churchill that said it. I, I hate quoting Churchill, but he got some good quotes. Um, you know, we build these, we build these rooms or we build these buildings and then those buildings build us. Uh, you know, it's it's the context that we're in. It's the water bottle that we're in that influences the way that the water is held. Um, and you earlier said that, you know, um, a person that is conservative or liberal and everything like that can, at one point there was a time where you could be able to have these differing opinions and like I said, go and grab lunch afterwards. And of course, the political scientist in me is obligated to talk about just exactly how that was all ruined with the birth of classical liberalism, the John Lockean liberalism that we understand, not the liberal that we talk about nowadays in the American political system, but liberalism. Um, it was the first ism, the first ideology, this first prepackaged um, concept that basically people said, OK, I can subscribe to that. And I can say that I am that, and that's the end of the interaction that I have to have with it. I don't have to think about the itemized things that a liberal believes. I can just say I'm a liberal, and then that's it. That's the end of the conversation. And a the lot rest of the way, of the thinking is done for you. Exactly. That's what these ideologies do. That's what these isms do. And before that, people would just read different political philosophers. They would read their Kant. They would read their Thucydides. They would read their Machiavelli. And they would pick different things that they coincide with. And they would become that political body. Um, and a lot of the, the problem is now, if one person says, I'm a conservative, that's the end of the conversation. Um, mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways, yeah, you kind of have to do that. At this point, if a guy came on to like, if I'm in a conversation with someone, especially publicly, unfortunately, and they say, oh, I'm a conservative, that is shorthand to say that I believe particular things. And one of those things could very well mean that I don't believe in someone's existence. 
Um, and that is a very quick and swift way to just end the conversation. And it's sad that that's what it's become. The question that I like to ask people is, what do you believe in? You know, like what, like what is your philosophical underpinnings? What motivates you? What, what are you passionate about? And it's amazing how far a friendship can be forged with someone without ever discussing their the name, saying the word, and just realizing how much you agree with someone without ever saying, oh yeah, I'm a leftist too, or, or mm. I believe in that. Just actually talking to that person. Um, now, granted, they can believe some hideous things, but yet again, going back to that Venn diagram, these imaginary circles, the public and the private, I don't care about what you're doing in the private. There's a bunch of things that you're doing in the private that probably I don't like. You know, the 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 type of porn you watch, uh, the relationship that you have with, no, I, I do care about the relationship that you have with your dog. But I mean, the whole fact of the matter is there are things in the private that can be left in the private and we can still have a functional deep, not only like just surface level, but a deep relationship in the public. And it doesn't necessarily have to go tits up if you get into a conversation and realize that, oh, okay, um, you think the earth is flat. <laughs> As a person who has opinions on everything, I also recognize I don't need to have opinions on everything. It is totally okay and valid for me to go, yeah, I don't know on that one. Even when asked directly, what do you think about this? I don't know. They're, they're, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm hesitant to name any, but uh, there are certainly political and social issues right now where I, I look really hard at both sides of the line and I'm like, I see where you're both coming from. I don't, I don't know that I fully agree with either position here. I think that it's more nuanced than that. I also don't know how to say that without both sides being mad at me. And I wish that there were room for that. I wish there were room for, for me to say, hey, I'm not as well versed in this thing. Help me understand your perspective without it being uh, an awkward conversation. I remember years ago walking down the street in New York City and there was a sticker on a light pole that said, stop telling women to smile. And I, I, I was walking with friends and I, I laughed. I'm like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with like, you know, brighten somebody's day or whatever. And then they're like, well, the reason is because it's like you telling a woman what to do and, you know, uh, sort of like taking away her agency of her mood or, or saying that she owes you uh, a signal of being in a better mood or whatever the thing is. Uh, and I'm like, oh. And I realized in that moment, like, I'm clearly unprepared for an argument on this subject. I, I have no strong opinion. I will, you know, take what might feel like an L in this moment and process it. And over time, as like that conversation plays in my head on a loop, I think like, oh, I start to, I start to understand. And then I see situations. I see moments play out in real life or I hear people share their experiences. And I go back to that moment in my head and I start to contextualize the, the sticker differently. And I start to see through that other lens. It's not that in that moment, somebody said, you are wrong and here's why. And I said, good point. I am wrong and I will never think that again. It's that that, that moment of, of non-confrontation, just sort of like stating a fact dispassionately or even a little bit passionately, but not, there's a way to say that that, that opinion 
may not be uh, as as well reasoned as you would would hope. And here's why a different uh, 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 alternative opinion might be a better place for you to end up. It, it is possible to say that without saying you're an awful shitbird person and everyone should hate you and never buy anything or employ you ever again. Those are like wildly different ends of a spectrum. I worry that we are so frequent to go to the you said bad thing, you are now bad end of the spectrum. We don't give people room to grow. Uh, yeah. That doesn't mean we should forgive everything. And I, I like even saying that much out loud feels like um, like I'm trying to excuse something or or make room for for these things. It's, it's really just about how do we give people enough room to grow? What can we do the, with these platforms that we have, with these relationships that we have with audiences and with other creators and and uh, the the voices that we have? What can we do to foster more of that conversation, more of that nuance? Yeah, no, and I and I agree, and I think that I think that what we're beginning to do now is is kind of at least beginning the discussion on it, just a, just a little a little bit more honesty and showing the scars, showing the ugly parts of the journey, because what you went on right, right there was a journey. You noticed something that conflicted with your worldview. You addressed your worldview. Someone else checked you on it. And then it didn't end there. That's the point. That's a, that's a big point. Like it didn't stop right there. Your mind wasn't changed because that's not how minds work. You're going to have this defensive mechanism that you're going to try to combat it. And over time, Maybe with new evidence emerging, you may come to a conclusion that says, I'm encountering new evidence that will make me think a different way and I need to accept that. And I think that there's a there's different ways that people challenge like channel that type of inner dialogue. Some people have the dissonance and they say, Well, no, I I believe this. I've believed it from I was born, my dad believed it, and his dad also believed it, therefore it must be right. It's stood the test of time. It's a classic take. Um, and the whole problem with that is that you're never going to allow for the people, even when you're presented with that evidence, you're not going to allow for any type of change to happen. Mm. Um, and and I find that that's like a lot of a lot of the times like people don't like to take the L's. And I think we need to start, we need to stop necessarily calling it L's. And and more so, or change what L means. Uh, this is going to sound trite too, but yeah, maybe it's a lesson. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe L stands for something different um, and make it a little bit more palatable. Sometimes you need it to be hard. Sometimes someone needs to be, um, you know, force-fed the L. But hopefully we get to a point like where, and like I said, more public interpretation or more public consumption of differing opinions and and showing that process i think is going to help us it's the reason why like i'm very committed to showing my trek on the spectrum of being progressive or or this trek from being a conservative caribbean um man to a progressive person that is trying to exemplify that for others it's something that's been difficult it's something that's come back to bite me I mean, making that Caribbean homophobia video, like I've lost friends and family members because of it. Um, they just said, wait, you think that the gays don't deserve fire and brimstone? I'm like, like, no, you know, they. I think that they're people, I think that they ought live. 
Um, I think that they ought be miserable in relationships just like the rest of us. Um, <laughs> and, and that is a controversial take for some people. And then they feel as though they can't associate with you. And I said, okay, well, you know what? If this is what the ostracization feels like from friends and family, if that's what it feels like, I can only imagine what people that are actually queer are going through with their family and friends. And the fact that a lot of them may have to even flee the country that they were local to because they can't be themselves. And yeah, it goes right back to virtue signaling. If I didn't signal that, then maybe these conversations would have never happened. Maybe the commenters that commented on that video and said, hey, I'm from Jamaica. I left when I was 16. I went to Canada because I felt as though I couldn't be myself there. And now knowing that you, a Caribbean man that sees my humanity exists, I feel like I can go home. If I didn't do that video, if I if I caved to the craven knee-jerk reaction of my dad texting me and saying, do you really want to, didn't you want to study law? Like, what are you doing? Why are you making these videos on the internet about like you laying your um, discrepancies as sundry and whatnot? And I said, you know what? I feel like I wanted to just change lives. And if I'm not doing that, with law and instead doing that with a 15 minute video, I'm still doing the same thing. I'm still able to, I'm still completing the mission. Um, and then you talk to legal legal and he tells you, well, Hey, I make more money doing this than actually being a lawyer. So, Hey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Going all the way back. The, the thought I have around the tweet comes down to this. And this is the, the most nuanced approach I can take. I think. I think that the the way that uh, internet I'm going to use some words, right? Uh, the way that people who are very publicly liberal intellectuals on the internet might use the word racism may differ from the people the the way that word is used or defined by the people who are described in that tweet. And I think that the sort of person, or not even described, but the people who would who would uh, take issue or the people who are on the other side, if there's another side of that issue, it's not that they disagree, I don't think. I think that it is simply two groups of people using a word differently. And the 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 challenge I would offer is that the definition of racism only working uh, only applying in this narrow set of circumstances, there are groups of people for whom uh, that it, it is easy for that definition to to exclude things that they experienced or they feel. And it's not that your approach or the sentiment of what you're trying to accomplish is invalid. Definitely not saying that. Not even saying you're wrong. I think that you're you're speaking to you're using the same word in two different languages. And that that dissonance will cause extra friction uh, because that's what's happening in my head. I'm reading this. I'm like, what is he talking about? Of course, like racism just means, uh, you know, b doing bad things to a different person because of the, the their race. Like that can happen in any direction. But I'm using like a a, a common dictionary definition of, of a word when you're applying much more, um, uh, uh, I don't know, a more academic approach to it, which I think is valid. And I think that dissecting these things and looking where they come from and how the systems are built 
is super useful. I, I don't have a, here's what you should do. I don't have a do things differently. I guess all I can offer there is, I think I see why my initial reaction to that was what it was. And I think that the the gap that can be bridged there is, uh, you know, a reconciliation of of those two languages. Yeah, and I think and I think the fact that you were brave enough to have this discourse <laughs> visually, like <laughs> visually, yeah, I'm, I'm black, so brave to have you man. on my show where I get to edit whatever is said. Well, that too, but I mean, but still, even the optics of it, a lot of people will shy away from it just because of of the man nature of it. Um, but I think that just showing this is very helpful for like a lot of people. And I think we need to show the inner workings of our head more often if we're trying to be, if we're trying to set standards, no pun intended, for this type of thing. I think that what you're doing right now is what more of our creators or more people online, because I mean, people creating tweets are also creators. Um, but that's a semantic discussion for another day. Um, and I think that if they maybe did more Twitter threads like Thomas Frank and said, no, you know, don't encourage people to use Twitter the way Thomas does. Nobody needs to do that. Nobody needs 15 tweet threads. Oh my God. He's a, he's a human listicle. He's a human it's BuzzFeed new, article. He's, he's nuanced is what he is. He allows, he extends, he pushes beyond the margins of, of Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and he disobeys how it's supposed to be used. I'm a Thomas Frank stand. And he's also... I, look, I'm I love that, Thomas. I love that guy to death. Uh, I wish he'd shut up on Twitter. <laughs> Anytime when I see the little spaghetti <laughs> scroll thread thing, I just I just scroll past it. <laughs> I said, no, this is long. <laughs> It's not even that I disagree with anything he says. I just find the construct annoying. And so I'll pick on Thomas any chance I get. I think you hate threads in general because you also hate Slack threads. No, I, uh, I like Slack threads. I hate that they're used as replies. I wish Slack had a replies mechanism. And this is a great example. Maybe the best example in the universe of how uh, Twitter conversation nuance can be lost. Because I tried to make a point about how Slack threads get misused. And people, including whoever runs the Slack social media uh, accounts, uh, thought that I just hated threads indiscriminately. And like, no, threads could be useful. I'm like, I'm not set, like, I don't know. Imagine uh, getting canceled over Slack threads. <laughs> let, me, let me pick the most ridiculous example. It's like, it's like we're talking about guns and I'm saying... Like we should, we should, we we should learn to uh, uh, have better gun control. And the jump is to, well, look at all these ways you can use a gun. And I'm like, sure, but most people aren't doing that. We got this whole other problem. Not that I'm comparing Slack threads to school shootings. Um, my point is that in in conversation, nuance can get lost very quickly. And uh, I, I I just wish that I'd had a. Uh, if I'd known then what I know now, I would have approached the the Slack thread uh, Twitter discussion differently because I spent more of my time trying to clarify what I meant than I did. If I just like said Slack reply Slack threads as replies are garbage, give us replies, probably would have gotten further. So there's a lesson, kids. Think about what you say on the internet before you say it. Think through all of the ways of, in which a person could take this wrong and then re-say it. Save the drafts, wait a day. That's my advice.
that that's the gun content that people were asking for on Nebula. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> New, nuanced comparisons to school shootings and Slack threads. Well, at least this is at the end of the show, so nobody's going to hear it. Yikes. You know what? You know what we should do? Let's just not air this and we'll try again in a couple of weeks. Oh God, no. <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna next next um call that we do, we're just gonna record that and and then we'll then we'll air that one, of course. Yeah. As much as I love talking to you. We should just uh we'll we'll just record a hundred more of these and splice them all together. All right, we do need to do another one in person when you're up here again. Let's make sure that there's a sequel to this. Uh, Peter, where where can people find you on the interwebs? My favorite place for you to find me is nebula.tv slash foreign man. Um, my second place is, of course, youtube.com slash foreign man in a foreign land. Then, you, of course, you have like twitter.com and TikTok, foreign man 242, where you can get my um, daily musings and also my feet after the pedicure occasionally. <laughs> If anything gets you canceled, it's going to be your feet. Or uh, if anything gets canceled, uh, it gets me canceled. It'll be my comments about your feet. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, that's my that's my pivot point. After you know, I'm done making educational content. I'm making foot content. Um, <laughs> I hear I've heard that I have a career in feet. <laughs>